Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. With the US Open just around the corner, Cincinnati takes centre stage as the main preparation for the final Grand Slam tournament of the year. We assess our attempts to pick a non-top four title winner in Toronto. Well, it didn't go very well. And with rather more success, we speak to the world number 15, Marin Cilic, right here on the Tennis Podcast. Well, yes, welcome to the Tennis Podcast. I'm David Law. I've worked in tennis for about 15 years now, I'm happy to say, and I'll shortly be off to the US Open in New York for BBC Radio 5 Live. I'm joined by Catherine Whitaker, who's uh, been alive about as long as I've been watching tennis. Haven't you, Catherine? You I'm older than 15, than come on. <laughs> well, so you say. You've got that youthful look to you. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've, uh, we're now into episode nine here on the Tennis Podcast. We hope you're enjoying uh, uh, the, the, the podcast every week, and we're certainly enjoying uh, delivering it to you. This week, we've got a, a cracking interview with Marin Cilic, who... Uh, is is a player that we've been following the progress of for a number of years now. He's had some great results. He's he's coached by one of my favourite people in tennis, Bob Brett. And we'll talk a little bit more about Marin before we get into his interview. But what a few weeks of sport it has been. I mean, the Olympics are over and it feels in Great Britain at the moment as if we've descended into sort of one big funk, as the Americans might say it. Because um, I don't know about you, Catherine, but it it, it just exceeded my expectations in just about every way I wasn't that pumped up about the Olympics until it's until it really got underway but it was amazing I think a lot of people felt that way actually that they were sort of not necessarily anti but just not you know as you say not particularly pumped up but it's just uh it's swept everyone up hasn't it it's um I'm in a period of mourning (laughs) until the Paralympics (laughs) come along yes no I know what you mean and uh, and it feels like the whole country is sharing in that uh, that feeling and you are off to Belgium this week, aren't you, for uh, the ATP Champions Tour yep, tournament, the morning. Optima Open, uh, which gets underway uh, later this week. And they have got a bit of a field there. Tell us, tell us who's playing in uh, in Belgium this week. Probably easier to tell you who isn't playing, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> well, it's John McEnroe who um, who's already there. He's arrived nice and early because he's come he's straight from he's come straight from London. 
Crikey, he spent it's Tuesday four, at the four moment. Fortnight at the Olympics, and he's gone. And it straight. starts when? It starts Thursday. Starts Thursday. Uh, McEnroe's playing in a sort of mini legends group with uh, Borg and Volander. Yeah. Um, and then in the uh, in the youngsters group or relative youngsters group, they're they're all old to me. But we've got Moya Ivanisevic. <laughs> I'll tell them you said that. Philippusis. Um, I mean, guys that guys that you know when you watch them play especially on an outdoor hard court which is what this is um it's hard to see it looking out of place you know on the main tour yeah no they pl- they play fantastically well still don't they and, and i mean it, it it's going to be a great atmosphere out there in belgium and i think that sums it up doesn't it the fact that McEnroe is already there you know i mean when he joined the champions tour he just completely changed it he 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 brought a fitness to it. He took it seriously. He wanted to beat everybody. You won't be surprised to hear. And he and he went completely nuts if the crowd, if the the umpiring decisions went against him. You know, and he tried to to suggest early on that that it was in his contract that he had to do that. Well, I, I, it's not. And, it's and not. The, the sheer fact is, he still wants to win, and he gets completely angry if he doesn't. It's as simple as simple as that. And he, he likes to he likes to win. And, and I, I think the thing is. Everybody else's level rose as a result because they mm. they didn't want to get humiliated and they wanted to beat him too. I think fitness is a big big part of it, isn't it? The, the guys not wanting to not let themselves go, but wanting to have a focus. You know, wanting to have a reason to go to the gym yeah. um, every week and to get on the court every week. And and you know, they really are in in formidable shape. These guys. Yeah. And we'll it's be bringing impressive. you regular updates from uh, the Optima Open on uh, at Champions Tennis on Twitter. And also there's a Facebook page as well. And the website is www.atpchampionstour.com. So keep in touch with us and we'll do our best to bring you the latest on uh, how McEnroe and the rest are getting on. Give you some inside stories. Hopefully get you one or two interviews for the tennis podcast in future episodes. We've also had uh, the London event at the end of the year, the Statoil Masters Tennis, which gets underway at the Royal Albert Hall on the 5th of December, have signed up Mats Verlander and Jeremy Bates to the field of players, which also includes McEnroe and Goran Ivanisevic and Tim Henman, Pat Cash, Henri Leconte, Mansour Barami. It's a who's who of some of the great characters and players of uh, over the years and um, I'll see Mats Vander in New York as well where he'll be commentating for Eurosport and he is one of the most entertaining people to, to talk to and just completely normal isn't he mm. Mats Vander could listen to him talk all day he's absolutely <laughs> he's um he's so engaging he's he's got a great voice but he's also he's not he's not trying to say controversial things for the sake of being controversial he just has some very interesting thoughts yeah, on on the game and watching him play McEnroe is one of the the great pleasures of the Champions Tour. It's so <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, I, I don't think I've ever seen them have a bad a bad. No, well, you got the contrasting styles, match. haven't you? And yeah. because ne- neither one of them can hit each other off the court, no. you've just got that cat and mouse style game. Yeah, it's cracking stuff. Can't wait. Yeah, so. Since uh, since we last spoke on the tennis podcast where we were reviewing the Olympics and Andy Murray's victory, poor old Toronto, my word, what a time they've had of it. I mean, that lovely tournament out there in Canada, and it's, it, it, it alternates with Montreal every other year. I was in Toronto two years ago. It was all the top four were in the semifinals. It's fantastic. And last week they had to do without... Um, Rafael Nadal, who's had injury problems. They had to do without Roger Federer, who took a week out to prepare, which 
it's kind of understandable after the Olympics and all the work he put in to get to the final there. And, and then Andy Murray, who made such an effort to get to Toronto, then had to withdraw ahead of his third round match, didn't he, because of a, a knee problem. But I suspect that's not going to be a problem for his US Open hopes. I think no. it's the change in surfaces. I suspect more uh, more of a niggle than a serious injury and perhaps more of a preventative um, preventative measure um, pulling out rather than him feeling that he's he's got some serious problems with his yeah, knee. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I mean, it, we, we never know for sure, but uh, but I suspect... I mean, he always struggles a little bit going from grass to mm. hard court. I think it's he's got a, an issue with his knees generally from from earlier in life and... I think he just needs more time to adjust, doesn't he? And, well, it wasn't only Toronto who um, had their work cut out, uh, given the Olympics and the proximity. Uh, I think we better be honest. Um, our little innovation of picking the top, the non-top four player to win the Toronto title didn't go very well, let's be honest. I think the I problem mean, Catherine, is that our initial premise was, yeah, was completely I mean, off. Yeah. It seemed like a great idea at the time, you know, especially with Nadal out and Federer out and, you know, Murray coming over as the champion. You know, I'm thinking, here we go. We can, we can, we can start something new. We can, we, can, we can invent something where we start picking players outside the top four. And the first week we do it, somebody will out of nowhere win the title and we'll look like geniuses. Well, you went with the man who so many people have picked to break into that top four, <laughs> Joe Wilfred Songer. The logic was there. The logic was there for about two days until he, until he lost in the second round, yeah. In straight sets to Jeremy Shardy. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to go up on his career highlights reel, is it? Nor mine. He actually has called me and he said, could you please just ask that Catherine Whitaker not to back me again? <laughs> because she's a curse. <laughs> and Milos Raonic called me and said something very similar. Well, to be fair... He got further, didn't he? And he also got past Andy Murray. Yeah, well done him. Yeah. Although Andy Murray had to withdraw ahead of their match because of injury, so maybe that doesn't count. Um, and uh, then, of course, uh, he lost to John Isner in a in a big serving contest. And then, and I'm thinking, right, Isner. I knew I should have gone with Isner. Mm-hmm. And then he loses to Richard Gasquet. And I'm thinking, yeah, Richard Gasquet, that bloke with the backhand. Oh, dear, I saw him when he was 15. I saw his professional debut in Monte Carlo in 2002. And he played Marit Safin. He's the man I should have gone for. And then he got absolutely walloped by, oh, look at it, a member of the world's top four, yeah. Novak Djokovic. Going back to John Isner, that's sort of him all over, really, isn't it? He gets a big win. You sort of think, right, well... With that serve, why why wouldn't he go on and win now? Why wouldn't he go on and and produce a, the big result that we've all been waiting for? And then somehow, somehow he doesn't. And, and I, th- I think it's in him though. Do, do you not? Do you, do well, you think yeah, a, I've been thinking this a for a long Slam time, but it hasn't happened him? yet. So so what's going to what's going to change? I mean, his serve his serve mm. isn't going to get any, get any better. I mean, it's it should be. Might I mean, be. how how. A, yeah, I don't know. He's he's a weird one, isn't he? I mean, how he's not done better on grass is um, is anybody's guess, really. Well, I think I think he could do with committing to it a little bit more, and frankly, playing a lead-up tournament, which he hasn't the last couple of years. Um, I know I know I'm biased because I run the media operation at Queens, but I, I think Gosh. it would help him. I, I I just can't see how it wouldn't help. But uh, that's his his choice, of course. Um, I I still think there's a big big Grand Slam run in John Isner and I think it's going to happen in the next year and a half I think I think we could see something from him at the US Open very easily 
I completely agree, but I think equally he could lose in the first round. Or mm. this is the thing. I certainly, I, I certainly think it's in him. But would, how much would you, you know, be willing to stake on it? Not well, a lot, I it's would funny you should say that, Catherine. Let's have a think. How much am I prepared to stake on John Isner winning the U.S. Open? Um, <laughs> not a no, lot. I'm, I'm not going to guess. To stake anything. Not a lot. But I do think I think John Isner is going to reach the quarterfinals or better. This time round, this that? this U.S. Open. Yes. Okay, that's quite a prediction. Do I get Do I get enormous sums of credit if this happens? Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty 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 bold. Okay, folks, there you have it. John Isner, quarter-finalist or better at the US Open. You heard it here first on the Tennis Podcast. Let's just discuss Novak Djokovic because I think this guy deserves enormous credit for, for, for the disappointment that he experienced at Wimbledon uh, in the Olympics in which he lost to Andy Murray in the semi-final match. He then lost the bronze medal match to Juan Martin Del Potro. But, you know, to go straight off to Toronto, and I've had a few people on Twitter when I've bigged this this guy's achievement up, they, a few people have said, yeah, but he had no no opposition. And I'm thinking that is just so disrespectful, A, to the people that he's beaten at that tournament, and B, for the fact that he's just dragged himself over there. And, and isn't, that, isn't that sort of a, a, a counterpoint in itself, the fact that he had no opposition? You know, everybody else either failed to turn up because they didn't feel they were up to it, or fell by the wayside halfway through in terms of top four. You know, that's a credit to him in itself that there there was there was no other top four opposition for him. Also, these guys are good players. Richard Gasquet and Janko Tipsarevic. These are no mugs. I mean, these are p- proper players that he's beaten, and he's beaten them handily. Mm. Um, coming off the back of disappointment on a completely different surface, and, and I, th- I think he. He deserves enormous credit. Yeah, and I think judging by what he said on you know various social media outlets, I think he was obviously he was gutted to lose to uh, to lose to Murray in the semis. But I think he was even more gutted to lose that bronze medal match. I think not yeah. not to not to come away with something to show for for the Olympics for his nation for as his well, nation because, exactly. I think you know, would have been I really mean, he's gutting such for him. Such a patriotic him. guy. Um, and uh, and I think we have to say as well that he's he's now. I mean, he was already in the conversation for the U.S. Open, but it's just a timely reminder, isn't it? I think we all too easily, and I'm guilty of this too. We we, we see a, a big result somewhere, and we think, right, that's the way it is from now on. Uh, it's it's Federer's to lose at the Olympics. It's Murray's won the Olympics. He's going to win the U.S. Open. It doesn't necessarily work like that. And and I think Djokovic has got as good a chance as anybody of defending his title against these other guys. Yeah, we underestimate how how resilient they are, I suppose, and you sort of and how superhuman because you know we're looking at it thinking, God, well, take me ages to recover from that kind of disappointment. But actually, mm. these guys are so professional and so resilient yeah. that, that those rules, I guess, don't apply so much. No. Well, we'll do our proper prediction uh, next week, I think, uh, for the US Open. But have you got any early inkling or are you going to keep your powder dry? I, I'm i not writing anyone. I'm not saying standout favourite. I, I agree with, with what we discussed last week, that it is is open. It's very open, but for me, if I, 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 I really do see Murray as is a front runner for um, for the U.S. Open. Mm. You, you obviously don't. No, I do, I do, but I, I just have a question mark because I think Djokovic is coming on strong now. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. I, I think, I think Murray. I, I would. I mean, you know. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Oh, I don't want to curse the guy because no. I, I keep on predicting he's going to win slams. <laughs> Poor bloke. Um, and uh, and he doesn't. But um, he's capable. I'm sure he's capable. And, and we have to say as well, given the absence or likely absence, and we're only speculating, but Nadal's participation doesn't look good at the moment he's pulled out of Cincinnati and Cincinnati is going to be a huge tournament now for all these guys because for many of them it's their only preparation mm. it's, it's a worry about Rafa isn't it it's a big it worry and I think you know from what I'm, I've read some quotes of what Federer is Federer is obviously being asked about Nadal's absence I don't I don't think he's enjoying Nadal's absence I think he, oh, no. you know uh, you know he's, he said he's he's worried about him and he you know he wants to call him and, and check on him because nobody's hearing anything are they all we're hearing is that he's he's withdrawn due to due to knee problems and and yeah. we we just don't know it's all speculation but certainly this is now a pretty critical stage um having withdrawn from both both major yeah. warm-up tournaments um i mean, I, mean even I, if I think he does i said last week York, he's he's coming in cold isn't he which is yeah. far from I, I, did, I think i said last week you know maybe it should almost be the u.s open and then that's it for the year i i can't i just think the most all that matters is that he gets himself healthy again mm. um he you know i i don't think nadal the sort of player he is i don't think he can come into the u.s open without a single match on a hard court and win it i just don't think he's i don't think that is doable and do you think he'll be thinking like that? Do you think even if he does feel fit, do you think he'll be thinking there's just no point in risking it because I haven't, well, I haven't got a chance? I'm talking 
trying to talk objectively it must be very hard to talk objectively about yourself in those terms mm, um, because he's if he's fit I think he'll think he can win um, but you know I, I don't see any point in him playing at anything short of 100% fit I don't see the, the, the point in that but um, then don't you I mean he's got he's got tendonitis I mean that's that's an incurable problem he's it's all relative, isn't it? He's—he's. He's, I don't think he's ever hundred percent fit. You know, when you ask these, I remember Rafa being asked the last time he came back, having had some time out because of his knees. He was asked, "So, are you not in any? You know, are you all better now? You're not in any pain?" He said, "Oh, I'm always in pain. It's just whether mm. I'm in too much pain to to compete." Mm. Well, it's going to be very interesting, and um, we wish him well. I mean, he's uh, he, he's wonderful for the sport, and we miss him greatly. We and, do, yeah. Um, and we hope he'll be back fully fit very soon. Um, but um, it's going to be interesting to see see how things evolve. I mean, it's it's the, it feels like the shortest U.S. Open series ever because, I mean. I don't, I've never seen a, a sporting event take over the way the London Olympics has in this country. I don't know what it's been like around the rest of the world. Obviously, it's bigger here. But, uh, I mean, Rory McIlroy won his second major golf tournament at the weekend. It barely registered. Mm. Um, the start of the Premiership football season is a few days away. It's hardly got talked about. Yeah, Toronto was on. It, you know, it's 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 fine print at the end of the, the, the newspapers. Um, and And suddenly now, all that's out of the way. Cincinnati's here and this is the week really that everybody will find out where they're at and um, I think it's a great opportunity for players that have have maybe not played the Olympics who've been playing on the sort of Washington tournaments and all of those sort of places to, to sort of show what they've built up. Yeah, I remember four years ago after the Beijing Olympics, do you remember Del Potro wasn't one of the top two Argentinians at the time and he didn't make the squad and he uh while everyone else was flogging it over to to Beijing and and acclimatizing and playing over there he was plugging away on the um the American hardcore um, swing and he he notched up was it three tournament victories in a row and he came into US Open on a massive hot streak reached I can't remember either fourth round or quarters. I think he reached the quarters. He eventually lost to to Murray. Yeah, um, there and, we go. And if yeah. you remember, Murray actually lost first round of the Olympics and went straight he on did. and reached his first Slam final, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but um, eventually lost to to Roger Federer in the final there, and uh, and so yeah, it's it it always changes the dynamic a little mm. bit. But uh, the tennis world is an interesting one. Petra Kvitova won the title last week in Montreal, so she's uh, given herself a great boost. Still hard to see anybody coming close to Serena if she produces the form she found at the Olympics. But now here on the Tennis Podcast, I think we'll talk about our special guest. Mr. Marin Cilic of Croatia is 23 years old. He's ranked number 15 in the world. He was a Grand Slam semi-finalist in the Australian Open a couple of years ago. And um, I'm trying to remember when I first saw him play, Catherine. I think it was against Jamie Delgado in qualifying for a tournament many years ago. And frankly, they looked like they were playing different sports. I mean, Jamie, you know, is, is, is not a big guy, has lovely touch and hands around the net. But here he was just getting belted by, by Marin Cilic, this guy six foot five from Croatia. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting um, juxtaposition or, or, or uh, I can't quite find the right word, but he's such, he's such a giant and so, with such a huge game. And then off the court, you cannot imagine a more mild-mannered, gentle 
um, unassuming man, can you? He's just, uh, he's just, he's just lovely. And uh, not that he's not lovely on the court, but he's got a very imposing, imposing game. And off the court, he couldn't be, couldn't be more different to that. No, I mean, you were the one who got the chance to speak to him, and and I think as 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 everyone will hear, he's just got a very nice manner, mm. and um, I think the way he handled himself at the Aegon Championships in the final when the whole David Nalbandian thing happened. I think that was just so impressive mm. to, on the spot, be able to find the right words, to calm everybody down, to not to not revel in the glory because there wasn't that feeling, you know, his opponent having got disqualified, he, you know, and he didn't have a go at Nalbandian, but he just he just got it all right, I think. He did, under a, under a lot of pressure, um with no time to sort of consider how to deal with the situation, he just got it bang on, didn't he? He was very yeah. sensitive, and um, and I think he won a lot of respect that day. Yeah, he did. He's also coached by a man in Bob Brett, who I think is the coolest coach <laughs> in the world. I mean, he just you know we talk about Ivan Lendl's poker face on the court side, but you don't see a flicker from Bob Brett. No, he's sensational, isn't he? It's, it's brilliant hearing Goran talk about him and. Well, I I talk about Marin, I talk about it with Marin in the interview, but you know about Goran seeing Marin as a twelve year old and and calling up Bob Brett and saying this is the next me. You've you've got to come down and see this guy. It's the next me. Yeah, I love that Bob story. Brett must have thought. No, I'm uh, not so sure. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've already gone a bit grey since Bad meeting you. Goran for one lifetime. Actually, they're, they're very different characters. Although they look they look similar. I, I remember my my colleague Alistair Eakin in commentary said that there is uh, basically an identikit for, for Croatian tennis players. Tall, dark, very deep voice. Well, he, f- he fulfills all of those criteria. He just doesn't yeah. fulfill the sort of slightly crazed look in the eye criteria no. as well. He's a lot calmer and a lot more... Yeah, he's very different to yeah. Goran. I mean, they couldn't be more different. But as, as Catherine mentioned, uh, Goran uh, was the man who claims all the credit for spotting young Marin Cilic when he was uh, just a teenager. So what was it like to be a junior player meeting Goran Ivanisevic for the first time? It was, you know, pretty intimidating to, to practice with him uh, being 14-year-old and uh, playing, uh, you know, national hero, the guy who just won Wimbledon. And uh, that was in 2002, our first uh, first time that we practiced together. And uh, but Goran is a character like that that uh, you even some uh, some days like a few years back I would still you know feel nerves working in my body when practicing with him. So, uh, but great, always a great atmosphere with him on the practice. Uh, even though sometimes we are working really hard and practicing hard, and he makes it fun and uh, still enjoying on the court. How much of an influence would you say he's had on you personally, professionally, over over the course of your career since you first met him? Uh, a lot uh, professionally, I think, uh, for my career. As uh, you know, he practiced with me and then uh, gave me that confidence that I feel that I'm really good and I can I can make it to the tour. Uh, you know, when you know when you are 14 year old, you are your dream is to be top 100 and then playing the guy who just uh, won a Grand Slam was in top 10 for many years uh, just gives you that little bit of extra thing than uh, your uh, your colleagues uh, young ones and and then he also sent me to, to Bob Brett Academy there and uh, he connected me with him which was I think the most important thing in my career And your game is 
very similar to Goran's. The difference is that Goran was playing 15 years ago when uh, the courts, the conditions were totally suited to, to serve volley play. You don't serve volley that much. You don't use that tactic that much. Do you think um, you would find life easier if you were playing 15 years ago and if you felt more able to, to come into the net more? Um, tough to say. Is uh, uh, I think uh, when you grow up in in a way that uh, you are always playing playing that kind of a tennis, and in you know when I was uh, growing up was uh, still I think the courts were already l- becoming a little slower, and then you play thousands of matches like that from baseline, and then you're building up your game that way, and then it's uh, difficult to say what would be if I would be you know 15 years back. And uh, would also be for Goran if he was in this time. I think he would definitely be, you know, still at the top. But uh, even maybe his game would be much more improved from the back of the court. So uh, you know, tough to say when the talent is there. I think always the players find a way to to win. You're playing in arguably the strongest era that that men's tennis has ever seen, with Rafa and Roger and and Novak. Do you feel fortunate to be playing in that era and privileged, or do you feel totally unlucky? And oh God, if only, if only I was playing, you know, ten years ago when there was a bit of a gap at the top yeah. of the game. I would say privileged, as uh, you know, being around those guys makes you also want to do better. And uh, I think uh, them, they are always also in that group where top five are pushing each other to always work harder and always push that one extra thing more or one more repetition or uh, or to do give one more percent on the on the training so also for a young player like me it's a it's good thing to see that they are already there for so many years and to try to copy them and to be as good as them so I think it's a really big privilege is there one of those top three or four that you for whatever reason find it easier to play that you feel that your game matches up particularly well against I asked Janko Tipsarovic the same question yesterday Mm -hmm. um, and he said he finds Novak the easiest to play of those four I mean relatively Mm -hmm. easiest is there one of them that you feel that way about I would say I mean could be awkward but to play for me to play Rafa on the hard court I would say makes it the easiest for me and uh, as he also lets you play and he's not going to kill you from the back of the court or he's not he always gives you a, a chance to hit the ball where where with uh, Novak or uh, or Andy or Roger they are still serving well and then uh, moving extremely well and then I think would say they are more dangerous to the players who are uh, trying to overpower somebody what goals do you do you feel you have that you want to achieve or look say you know 10 years time you've retired what will you be happy with looking at in your trophy cabinet or looking at on your wikipedia page i have to say i mean those things uh, can change as you see uh, novak he was he was uh, third player in the world for 2 3 years and then just made a slight change and then he won now already five, six Grand Slams, being on the number one spot for a year and a half, and uh, that changes complete, complete thing. But definitely, winning a Grand Slam would uh, mean the world to me. Final question: You've got a day off, a total day off. You can do whatever you like. What would you do with it? 
<laughs> uh, well, probably I would go on a Croatian coast uh, in summertime and I hope it's going to be in summertime day off and to relax uh, with my girlfriend. Marin Cilic, a gentle giant and one heck of a tennis player. We'll watch his progress with interest in New York over the next couple of weeks. That's it for episode 9. We'll be back next week once Catherine returns from the ATP Champions Tour event in Belgium. And to preview the US Open, right here on the Tennis Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.